Welcome to the show. I'm Brad Johnson, and this is the Do Business, Do Life podcast. I believe in the and approach to life and business instead of the either or. This show is my attempt to help financial advisors create unlimited growth and freedom in their life and their business through wide-ranging conversations with some of the most brilliant and interesting people on the planet. We refer to this mission as DBDL, doing business and doing life. What's up, y'all? Kristen here. And today, Brad is going to be talking with Triad members Tyler Rosinski and Andrew Hall. They are the co-founders at Virtus Financial Group. And these guys and their two wives, who are also key parts of Virtus Financial Group, Linda and Christine, are not only just some of the most awesome, authentic humans that you could ever possibly meet, but they're also proof of what happens when you surround yourself with the right people and you're willing to step into the unknown. In two short years, so over the past two years, they went from an insurance-focused agency to an RAA doing holistic planning and bringing in north of $35 million in total assets in 2023 and now sitting at $50 million in AUM. And again, that's just in two short years. So in this episode, you're going to learn more about that transition from insurance only to bringing on AUM. You're also going to learn what it means to build a life of significance, how to create a culture of trust with your team, and why community is the foundation for success in both business and life. Before we get to the show, like all Triad member episodes, we've got something special lined up. We're going to open up three 30-minute one-on-one coaching calls with Brad. So if you want to grab one of those three slots, you're going to text the word coaching to the DBDL Insider phone number. It's in the show notes, but I'm going to give it to you now. That's 785-800-3235. When you text that word coaching, we'll send you a text back with a link to apply for one of those three slots. This is an awesome opportunity to tap into Brad's wisdom. Please note text message and data rates may apply. You can opt out of receiving text messages at any time by applying stop to any message you receive. Show notes that include links to all the resources, books mentioned, and people discussed are going to be available at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash 52, which is also going to have the link to apply for that coaching combo. As always, thank you for listening. Without further delay, today's conversation with Tyler and Andrew at Virtus Financial Group. Welcome to another episode of Do Business, Do Life. As I told you guys before we hit record, I've been counting down the days all week when I saw this on the calendar. So welcome, Tyler. Welcome, Andrew, to the show. Thanks, Brad. I've been counting down my life for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not, let's not blow this up too big. All right? <laughs> but well, guys, as I, was, as I was thinking how to kick this thing off, as Triad came to be, and there were some early stages of Triad, and there were some early believers in the mission and what we were all about as far as doing business, doing life, and and really changing a lot of the focus of this industry that was, you know, as we all know, can be very monetarily focused at times. And I have this vivid image. It was actually Triad's very first live experience. And it was out in Napa, California, at the beautiful, as you reminded me, Andrew, Rancho Camas Inn. And at that time, I believe we maybe had just over 10 members, 10, 11, 12. We were right in that range, just getting off the ground. And our mutual friend, Bobby, had introduced us to you all. And you were checking us out for the first time. And I remember sitting there, the event hasn't kicked, the experience hasn't kicked off yet. And <laughs> It was an event then. It wasn't an experience. It, 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 yeah, it's probably true. It was more of an event back then. You're right. <laughs> and... And I'm sitting there, there's like this little like fire pit area. I think I'm having a glass of wine to just say, hey, get ready, you know, for the next couple of days. And this tall guy with these streaming locks walks around the corner. And it was you, Tyler. And you're like, I'm like, hey, I'm Brad. And you're like, I'm Tyler. And it, and 
you were the one guy that wasn't already a, a triad member. And I remember just immediately we hit it right off. You and Linda jumped right into the conversation, obviously met Andrew and Christine a little later, but that is a memory I will never forget because that was like at the very pivotal foundational moment. This triad was just coming together. So what was your take being the stranger just showing up? I'd love to hear your side of that story. Well, it's really interesting how people come in and out of your life for different reasons and at different times. And I'd known Bobby for years and she and I had worked closely together, but she had kind of moved on to a different opportunity. But we kind of always just stayed in touch. She's a big fashion person. I like fashion too. So we always had that in common. And we just kind of stayed in touch. And she said, you've got to meet these people. And I always knew Bobby to be a person of high integrity. And so when she said I had to meet somebody, I knew that that was somebody I had I had to get to know. I had to meet them. And I wasn't looking. I, I wasn't looking mm-hmm. at all, Brad. And we were perfectly happy where we're at with the relationships that we had that were long-term, 13-year relationship and being a, a top five office for those people. And really, as I look back on that, I realized that that came, God brought that along into my life at the right time. Because I think just prior to that, I, had, I remember having a conversation with my brother. And we were looking at our careers, we were talking about our life, and we were like, is this just what this is going to be for the next 20 or 25 years? Do we just wake up, rinse and repeat, and then we're just going to retire and do something else? I just remember a a deep sense of almost like floating, floating through my career, and that buttons over into floating through your life. And so my first memory really getting there was, A, I was like, I can't believe these people are bringing us to Napa, even though we haven't promised that we'll work with them. We haven't done anything And that spoke a lot about the type of culture you guys were trying to build from the get-go, that you would just welcome in a stranger and treat him like family. And the second I walked up to that fire pit and and walked up and got in a pool with people around there and, and drank a little wine, which helps break down some social barriers, of course, you could just sense that feeling that, hey, you're welcome here. We don't know you yet. We don't know who you are, but we're going to bring you in. We're going to treat you like family. We're going to show you how we want to treat you from the word go. We're not waiting until you've signed on the dotted line. We're going to be really honest with how we want to treat you. And setting that up from the very first conversation I ever had on the phone to to just being like, I was blown away when you guys said, hey, let's go out to Napa Valley and hang out. Great. Let's do it. How can I say no to that? And I think, I think I really remember being there and just being like, wow, this is the excitement and energy that was there. It was something that I, I don't know if you guys could plan to do that, but it was really an organic moment for us to walk up and just be like, wow, there's some excitement and some energy. And, and of course, the challenges you gave to us over the course of the next couple of years have literally changed my life. Thanks, man. I don't take those words lightly. And I, I really appreciate that. Because one thing is I've gotten to know you better that I've always loved is you're you're real, you're authentic, you are who you are, you're comfortable in your own skin. And those are the sort of people I love to uh, surround myself with. And so uh, I appreciate those words. Andrew, what was your side of that one? Oh, very similar. But like, I remember like a lot of things. One, it was like bizarre. It was super bizarre because Tyler and I had actually been to that house that Dakota, that winery we were at, Dakota Shy. Mm -hmm. We actually been to that house. We've stayed at that house. We've like, in a prior life, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. And like, we never in a million years would think we would ever be back at that place again. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, all of a sudden we were there. And it's just like, it was the most bizarre thing kind of ever. Circle. I remember telling yeah. can you believe we're at this place, this place of all places again? Right. And, but I remember that night we were at that big long table, right. And everybody's there and there, there was 10 offices. There was 10 offices. So 
And we were like kind of the 11th or newer people. And me and my wife flew in because we were, we, it was like the one weekend we had something to do. So we showed up late. We left early. So we were there for like 24 hours. It was super fast. But I just remember this overwhelming feeling. And I kept saying it. And I still felt to this day, like for the first time in our business, I just didn't feel like, a, like we were alone. Like our office was alone. You know, like, hey, we were out there forging this, this path, this life of everything that we're trying to create. And Tyler and I were doing it on our own. And we have, support organizations, IMOs, FMOs that are saying, oh, this is your next marketing thing. This is, we're going to help you process some business or there's a cog in the wheel in general. And it's like, that was it. It was just this overwhelming feeling of like, hey, we're not alone. There's there's like-minded people here that want to grow together. And it's like, for the first time, there's there's competitors. Like every single person is a competitor, technically. But... Mm-hmm. They're willing to pour yeah. every single thing, their best up. This is the number one thing I do in my business to beat the competition. I'm giving it to you. It never felt like a competition thing from the yeah. that group of people. There was a natural give and take, people cheering and pulling for each other. We use the phrase no ego and check your ego at the door. And from the moment we were involved, there was an ego check at the door, which was great for us because we wanted to soak up and learn more. And even though we were running a successful business, we didn't know where to go at all from there. And when you have people in the room who are like, have the same story, started out selling Medicare supplements and, and graded uh, death benefit policies out of the trunk of their car, just like I did with my dad 20 years ago. And now they're mm-hmm. running $100 million a year books of business. It was like, all of a sudden you could go, man, we've got hope. We can see some light at the end of the tunnel. There's a challenge for us to rise up to that's going to make us better people and is going to enable us to run a better business that has more significance for us, for our families, and for our community. And I can put those words to that now. In the moment, I couldn't put those words. In the moment, I just felt something magnetic. Mm. And now I can say, oh, I know what that was, because I've grown. I've grown into being able to say those words, which were, were not really part of my vocabulary. Building a business of significance was not part of my vocabulary two and a half years ago. Yeah, it, it felt like we're just like, Felt like work, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Like oh, it felt, <laughs> felt like work. It felt like we were we were building something so that we could have some sort. Of, Simon talks about the infinite game, and we were playing a finite game. Like, hey, look, how can we just mm-hmm. make more money so that we can do more stuff with our families or whatever it is? And then all of a sudden, something you just said there was super interesting, dude. Was like, I wasn't able to put words to it then, but I am now. And man, that's so true because like then I was like, man, I don't feel alone anymore. Like I don't feel alone. I finally somebody on this journey with us. But now it's like it created this like fulfillment. And the number one thing, and I have it sitting here somewhere. There it is. It was in the very front page of Simon Sinek's book, The Infinite Game. I won't bore everybody with reading the whole thing, but I highly recommend this little thing right here. It's going to be framed on my desk for the rest of my life. It literally changed my life. And that the last sentence is basically saying, and when our lives are over, those who joined us on the path to fulfillment will keep going without us and inspire others to join them too. And like now that's what that felt like. That's what that, I didn't know what it at the time, but that's what that weekend felt like to us is like, wow, we're on this, this path of fulfillment and we're going to keep going. And when we're gone now, we're, we're now part of something bigger than ourselves. I think everybody like, that are very human nature, the number one thing that people want to do more than anything, I believe, is just like 
belong. <laughs> you yeah. want to you want to belong. And in order to belong, it doesn't mean you have to hit a certain number or or write an amount of business wow. or be XYZ. It's just like you belong. Andrew, I don't know. You know, we get so trained by this industry to perform again on the success, the Eden treadmill, right? And I was so blown away, and I still end to this day that a group like Triad, there's no minimum number you have to meet to go hang out with your friends and people who you're learning from. There's no, I don't feel any pressure to produce. And that was completely the thing from the get-go. That was in the built in the DNA of Triad. And it's changing the DNA of how I do things in my office. We're changing from a production-based rewards to a process-based reward system here in our office so that my people, the people who I'm so intimate with and work with every day, can feel the same thing I felt and I have gotten to feel as we've worked with Triad. And yeah, it's just really moving because nobody treats you like that. <laughs> people don't treat people mm-hmm. like that. What are you going to do for me? You know, and then and then I'm going to do something for you. It's an exchange. And instead of an exchange of production, here we have an exchange of ideas. We have an exchange of experience, which is so much more powerful when we think about an abundant life. And it leads to more of that, right? Like it just it just builds on. It just builds to more and more of of the good, man. More of everything. It's crazy. Well, selfishly, guys, it's what we wanted too. I just wanted to sit back and listen to you guys riff on that, and it's it's awesome to hear. And very similar to you, Tyler, in that very first triad experience. To your point, it was more of an event back then, and it's you know continued <laughs> to evolve and grow. But I'll tell you. You mentioned Simon Sinek, Andrew, and for those listening in or watching in that aren't familiar, he just spoke at our our launch experience beginning of 2024. And back to like the infinite game versus the finite game. Great book. Highly recommend it. But I'll tell you the powerful kind of community and belonging that you're talking about. We had a, a gentleman there named Billy. I don't know if you guys met Billy and his wife out there launch. It, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But they were kind of in the same spot that you were at your first time. They were just kind of like checking out the community. And it's kind of this like, wait, is this too good to be true? And I went up to him the last day. And I said, hey, how's it going? Like, shoot me straight. And he goes, this is the first time. And he's been doing this a long time, obviously. And at a very successful level, he goes, this is the first time I've ever been in a room like this where everybody's here for the same reason. And now leveling up in business, leveling up in life, that can be everybody's different definition of that. But but the theme is the same. And that is one of the most proud moments I've had to date so far in this journey because I'm like, that's what we wanted in the first place. And that's the infinite game. You know, it's like, you don't ever want to stop playing that game if you're leveling up in business, you're leveling up in life, where the finite game is, to your all's point, the game that a lot of finance plays or or has been trained to play of like, here's the new number we chase each year, all production-based. And so it means a lot for you to hear that from you guys, but it's really cool when you bring in an outsider that's like never experienced our community ever and they say it, and it just shows the power of the community you all are a part of. So it's it's like, basically, Sean and I are like, let's not mess this up, right? Let's stay true to what we're about and truly curate the community on yeah. you know doing business doing life checking the ego at the door everything you guys have mentioned so yeah, that's amazing i mean it's like i think about 
kind of again going back to that the the industry that get your numbers all that's like so you can have a better life for yourself or whatever that means financially it's like it out there but but here it's all of a sudden like the things that we learn the things that we do the people that we make the relationships that we've made are impacting all the people around me in my sphere that i come into to, to even the person at the gas station across the street and you know, i go to the gas station across the street every single day of my life for a while and same person checks me out. i didn't even know their name for like six months you know and mm-hmm. it's like <laughs> because of like working with chris smith and working with the code and talking about like hey you know why don't you try to like show up like a leader in your every single day life and mm-hmm. next time you go and order a coffee order that coffee like a leader and it's like now i've struck up a friendship with that person i've told them what yeah. i want they said, hey, look, I went and do this now, and I did this, and they impacted other people's lives. I talked to a security guard at, on Saturday night at lunch for like 25 minutes about all the possibility of things he can do in his life, and now he's like starting a podcast and doing all this stuff, and he reached out to me on Instagram, and he said, thank you. And like all of that is because of this relationship that we've had, and it's like that's what's freaking cool, man. It's like it's not just my yeah. life being impacted. It is all the people around me's lives being impacted. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just I'll just mention on that real quick if I could because this has been an incredibly powerful thing that we're talking about here because it's great when people want to help you grow your business, but the fact that our lives are growing is really the thing that's impactful for me because it's it's helping my business and we're growing our business. But I actually shudder to think where I'd be today if we hadn't reached a fork in the road and taken a bolder path a couple years ago. I just think that. It would have been anxiety thinking about it, man. Yeah, I do. I literally break out in a sweat about it. And I, I worry about who I would be because so much of we talk about like growth doesn't happen when you're comfortable. That's something that's kind of a theme for my family this year. We're going to we're going to take a month off this summer. And right now we're trying to uh, go to sailing camp. We're going to as a cool. family, learn how to sail a boat together, which we live in central Illinois. We don't have a lake bigger than a puddle within 100 miles. <laughs> And we're going to do something uncomfortable just because we want to push ourselves to grow. And when you guys came along and challenged me, you challenged us not just at a level because we weren't in growth mode. And now I don't even refer to it as growth mode anymore because I'm a big believer that like growth mode sounds like it has an end to it. Like, boy, we're in growth mode now, but someday we're not going to be in growth mode. And then it's going to be laptops on the beach mode. Like we won growth mode we still have to keep living and playing and doing our business. So we don't think about it as growth mode anymore. But back then the words I needed to hear were simpler than what I'm capable of thinking about now. And back then when you guys challenged me to turn to growth mode, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. I said, yes. And if, if I'd known how hard it was going to be, I wouldn't have said yes to that challenge of coming along on this journey with you guys. But that growth mode has made a huge difference in me as a human being. Yeah. And the thing that's amazing about that is I don't think I ever thought about my business and my business relationships helping me grow as a human. I think I just assumed that I was a human over here on one side and I was a business person over here on the other and the two shall never meet. Yeah, it's the things I like to do. Yeah. The things I like to do over here don't have anything about what's going on over here. The thing that I do at a desk here doesn't have anything to do with what I do when I'm with my wife and kids and friends. And now I realize that I can show up in both of those places as the same person. And my entire life is much more authentic as a result. Mm, I love that. That's awesome to hear. And so same for me, guys, like Chris Smith. It's fun. Like actually we're podcasting here. The way I met Chris originally was he was introduced to me by a guy named Garrett Gunderson, who came on my prior podcast. 
And he's like, oh man, you got to have Chris on. He's awesome. You'll love him. Grew up in finance. So we, we did a episode probably back in 2016, 2017, sometime around there. And I was like, dang, that was, it was like many mic drop moments, as you all know, because you've been on plenty of calls with them. And what I love is back to being authentic and not saying, here's my work life and my personal life. And I'm two different people. That was one of the things I always appreciated from Chris is like, he's authentic. Like he, he says stuff and he's not like some thought leader that's up on a stage saying something. And then he's like, Smoking a pack of cigarettes behind stage, sort of deal, you know. <laughs> that sounds kind of But anyway, we were just out in Kansas City, and he flew in and did some did some additional work with Triad, and we actually met. This is a fun story, but it it reinforces your point, Andrew. So Braun was finishing up his football season, and so he had a practice in Kansas City. Chris flew in. He just hops over to practice. We all ride back from Kansas City together. And I'm like, dude, you got to get some KC barbecue. So Q39, stellar brisket. And so we show up, it's like 8.57. And the girl at the front desk, they're like, sorry, we're closed. I'm like, well, you close at nine. We're here before closing. You know, and I kind of use my best sales skills. I'm like, man, Chris, like he flew in from Arizona today. Like he's been dying for this Kansas City barbecue. Anyway, scout out to Q39. They're like, okay, we'll seat you. So they seat us super nice waitress comes over and we eat pretty quick. You know, we don't want to keep them there too late. Yeah. And we're thanking her as we leave. And Chris is like, Hey, is there anything we can do for you? You know, you were super kind to get us in. He goes, well, yeah, you could leave a Google review. And if you mentioned my name, that would really mean a lot to me because a lot of people find this through Google. So anyway, go home, rest of the trip goes on. And like two days later, like after Chris is back home, he texts me. And he's like, Hey, I forget her name. I think it was like Ashley or something. It's like, Hey, did you, did you leave Ashley a review? And I go, man, I was actually just thinking about that, but I haven't yet. And he goes, I'm just typing mine up now. And one of the things I've taken from Chris is the saying of be your word. Yeah. If you say you're going to do something, do it. That That's like a testament to your character as a human. Mm-hmm. And that like just shows like he made this like offhanded promise to this waitress that he's never going to see again the rest of his life and to follow through on that and be your word and to your point like that works in business the promises you make to your prospects your clients it works in life and how you show up to a random like gas station clerk you know to your point andrew and i just think it's so powerful like those little lessons can apply everywhere so uh, I just wanted to share that because I was like, that's like spot on to, to an experience I had the other day with Chris. Boy, yeah, they do. I love that. Be your word, too. It's amazing how many people aren't. Or it's, it's amazing. Like if you just do something you say you're going to do that, people are actually shocked sometimes. Yeah. Especially if yeah. you don't make a big deal of it. But my favorite Bible passage literally says, let your yes be yes, your no be no. Like you don't have this big, long explanation. Hey, leave me a Google review. OK, that's it. Like. <laughs> No way do they expect that person to actually leave a Google review, but his okay was that powerful that he went home and he did it. Like that stuff just breaks it down. That stuff just doesn't. I don't think, and and I don't think it comes easy for anybody. It's easy to look at Chris Smith or somebody like that and go, "This guy's got a superpower, and it's easy for him." But Mm -hmm. he just has to be intentional about it. The amazing thing about those kinds of people, we all have people like that in our life. I'm thinking of a good friend who's been a spiritual mentor over the years, and and we all have people like that in life who make being an amazing person look easy and 
I'm just sitting here listening to that story and I'm going, oh man, I've got so much growing left to do in my life. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that's exciting is that I I now, even as a 40-year-old man, I now look at my life as kind of like, oh, I've got this growing to do and I'm actively seeking out opportunities for growth rather than opportunities to be lazy or to to not grow, to be comfortable. And one of the big challenges in life is that we have to constantly fight for that. Even a guy like Chris, who's really good at it, makes it look easy, has to fight for growth. We have to make the decision in our minds, in our businesses, with our spouses, with our children, with our own physical bodies, with our spiritual growth. We have to fight for growth. You just can't give it up. Because if you do, you stop growing, you start dying. My dad used to say that all the time. If you're not growing, you're yeah. dying. And now I say all the things my father said because I'm turning into him. <laughs> Isn't it crazy how that happens, by the way? So my dad's name is Brent. And I said something the other day. I'm like, dang, that's the same stuff he used to tell me when I was a kid. I'm like, I'm, I'm slowly becoming my dad in many ways. Brent, I'm asleep start- in the middle of movies. My kid's <laughs> giving me a hard time. You know, all that <laughs> stuff. I'm getting physical tics. Like he takes his glasses off and rubs his eyes when he thinks about things. And now I'm finding myself like doing that in appointments with clients. And I'm like, stop doing that, man. I see you've got the clear frames too. Bernie's also got the clear frame. So you're literally, now you're actually literally buying the same glasses. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Well, let's go into, this is a good segue. You guys have a really cool practice because as you referenced Bernie, Bernie's your dad, Tyler. He started the firm. You came in, kind of the next generation, the son coming into the business. Now your wife, Linda, is in the business with you as well. And then your buddy, Andrew, which, by the way, I guess for context for listeners, so two different office locations right now. You've got one in Bloomington, Illinois, Tyler, that you kind of hold down the fort there. Andrew's down in the St. Louis market. And then your wife, Christine, also is part of that practice, Andrew. So give us the, the kind of like fun story of the journey of both probably Tyler, you get into the business and then where did Andrew come in just for context of the firm and any lessons or, or big things along the way? If it's okay, Andrew, I'll just kind of start off with that. And so I never intended to be in this business like probably most people who are in it. I went off to college after high school. After one year of college, the college and I somewhat jointly agreed to part ways. It may or may not have been due to my class attendance and grades. And I kind of came home and as a 19-year-old really didn't have any my goal in life was to play basketball as a 19-year-old, and, and that didn't work out. It never was going to, but as a 19-year-old, you can't imagine that it won't. And so I just floated. I was floating around, man. I had a, t- a job waiting tables. I was taking a few classes at a local community college, just trying to figure out what was going on with my life. I mean, after about two years of that, two or three years, I talked to my dad and I said, hey, you know, what do I have to do to work with you? And I was just basically grasping at straws. I needed to grow up a little bit. I needed to find something real to do with my life rather than sling barbecue. And he said, well, get your license. And I literally started selling like Medicare supplements and created death benefit policies. And every once in a while, somebody would have a CD rolling over and I'd get to throw ten dollars or $30,000 into an annuity. And that was a big week. It was awesome when I got to do that. And as time went by, you know, my dad always said, I'm not going to unleash an idiot on the world in this business. So if I want it to continue to progress, I needed to add skills. So we always were grasping around looking for mentors, people to help us, people to add stuff on. And we finally got to the point after about 10 years of a career where we were writing, you know, somewhere between seven and $10 million of annuity premium a year. And 
just some life insurance here and there and other stuff like that. And, and we started, we were adding skills. We were starting to get kind of serious about it. <laughs> you know, I, I hate to say that, but at a certain point, we were just salespeople going in and selling stuff. And at a certain point, our mind started to flip to really advising people and trying to help people solve problems and have better life, a better life because we were in their life, helping them financially. And we did that really imperfectly. And even today, where we don't do things perfect, we're striving to get better. And at a certain point, Andrew, his background was in accounting, master's degree in accounting, CPA. He's worked for the state of Illinois, worked for a fortune, a, you know, a privately held fortune 500 company, one of the biggest ones in the country, and has, has done a lot of awesome stuff. And at some point, he just decided he kind of wanted the freedom. He didn't want to work for the man anymore. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Andrew, but I think that was exactly what you said. Yeah, yeah, didn't want to work for the man. You know, it, what it really came down to is fulfillment. I had a great job, enterprise, rent a car, corporate headquarters down here in St. Louis. I was actually an internal auditor there. I, I got to fly the private jet to Europe once. That was super dope. I had a great, great job. But like, with that job, the more you work, you're just rewarded with more work. Mm. <laughs> right? Yeah, there's like, no do life. It's all no do, do business. No do life. It's just your reward. Do business, do business. Better you are, the more work they give you because you're the guy that's going to get it done. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's great. I was on the fast track. I was cruising right along, getting promotions, et cetera. But like every day, I just was not fulfilled. It was just not fulfilling. It's like I'm not making, if I work harder, I'm changing nobody's life except for now the CEO might have a, another house and a golf course. And I'm not changing anybody's life. I'm like, and that was like hurting my soul a little bit. You know, yeah. I'm a, I'm a nine on the Enneagram. I'm a sweetheart, the sweetheart of the Enneagram. <laughs> I want everybody to be happy and I, uh, harmony, you know, and just want to help people some way, shape or form and, and help this like fulfilling life where the work that I did at the end of the day impacted people. And so, uh, part of it was that and part of it was like, yeah, screw the man. <laughs> and you two, I believe the story is you guys knew each other from high school. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that like your brother was. Yeah. My brother Brady brother. and yeah. Andrew were like best friends. They played on the line together and on the football yeah. team. And then. Uh, Thunder. Yes. Yeah, sometime in our twenties, we kicked Brady out of the relationship and now it's just me and Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> and we're actually both got- still very close to my brother. Yeah. <laughs> But nice. when Andrew came on, Brad, we picking up on my phone down there right now. He is literally, he literally just called. Yeah, he'll call me when you don't answer. <laughs> oh, this will be good. We should just randomly throw him on the podcast on speakerphone towards the end. Oh, that could be, be awesome. Fun. <laughs> In fact, he called me before he called you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ouch! I like how you just checked to make sure that it's still left out right there. <laughs> That's so weird. When Andrew came on, Brad, my dad and I at that point in time. I hadn't taken over the business really yet. And and we wanted to, we, we knew there was opportunity because Andrew's brilliant. Like Andrew's got an incredible brain. He does things differently than me because he comes at it from a different angle. He's got details and he loves the number side of things. And I love staying high. Don't get me down to the details. I start to drown. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts to kill my soul to be down there. And Andrew's great at it. And, uh, but, you know, we really didn't have a way to like bring him into the business or train him. We just kind of brought him in and said, we'll figure it out. Does that sound familiar to you, Brad? That's yeah, figure it out. We did. I see that happen a lot in this financial services space. Yeah. Yes. To this day, I started, I was like, yeah, that's great. I'm going to, I'm going to come up with these guys. I'm going to start an office in St. Louis. We're going to, we have, we have this big dream power. And I have this big ultimate dream down the road, which is actually coming to reality as we speak. But I was just in an office 
with nothing on the walls, one like a Regis office, a shareable office space, nothing on the walls with nothing but a phone in front of me, no marketing plan, no literal, not anything other than a phone in front of me. And I, was just, I just sat there and I was like, oh, this is real. And then I just figured it out. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just, it was literally the grab it and grind. It was just mm-hmm. like, we're going to try and figure this out. We're going to try and make this dream work. And, you know, we had a mentor during that time who was helping us, but turned out to be not a really very good match for working with us after a few years. And really that was just prior to meeting Triad. And during that period of time too, my wife retired from State Farm. She had a career in management for 15 years there, started running everything here. And, and by the way, like I, I, you know, as we talk about this, there's a lot of people behind the scenes who pull so much weight and and who we couldn't possibly do this without. And my wife, Linda, is absolutely one of them. And Andrew's wife, Christine, absolutely one of them. We might not reference them a lot today, but they were huge in this. And I know for a certainty that I would not be doing what I'm doing today if it were not for the fact that my wife stepped into our business and started doing the things I couldn't do and still can't do. And so I'm incredibly grateful for her role in this story. And we would not have a family-owned business if it were not for her. I love that you bring that up. And back to DBDL, it's really cool. Both of your spouses are in the business with you. So it's very DBDL on all sides. One of my early favorite memories of Linda, this was back to the Napa story where we all met. Mm-hmm. We were there at Dakota Shy under the, the Redwoods and that back little patio area. Mm-hmm. And you all were sitting at a table and I came over and she goes, I think I just became best friends with your wife. And this was like after talking for like 10 minutes. It was awesome. Classic so they, two, man. They, Classic they, two. They, they hit it off right out of the gates, which is fun. So I'm going to go back to kind of your growth trajectory just to give some context for everybody listening in. So you joined Triad. At that point, you were insurance focused very early on in the Triad journey. Got your 65. You're like, hey, we, to your point, I'm like, we want to start to expand how we help people add, you know, more tools in the arsenal. And two years in, you started managing assets pretty much right at the beginning of 2022. You now have at the beginning of 2024, when we record this, so just over two years in, about mm-hmm. 50 million under management in two short years, which is awesome. Last year brought in a, a north of 35 million of total assets, obviously a mix between annuities for the fixed income side, AUM, obviously for the gross side, did a pretty decent chunk of life insurance. So a really holistic approach to how you're serving your clients. But what are some of the learnings or maybe hurdles along the way that, that you might be able to share to help some advisors out there? I think a big thing is like a, a mindset focus, uh, uh, like a mindset shift where it's shifting from this like, hey, I'm a sales-oriented advisor that is trying to uh, definitely make an impact in somebody's life. I'm definitely solving a problem in somebody's life with this particular product, right? Or, or I'm solving mm-hmm. a tax problem or I'm solving a, a risk problem or an income problem. And then that's great. It's that mind shift of like, now we're just becoming full-on leaders in these people's lives. like. That's it. And and Brad, something that you've said many times that, that really sticks with me is we can get now it's all of a sudden there's no more decision points. There's no more this income rider, this life insurance probably, this rate, this stock, this bond, this mutual fund, this whatever. It's just like, do you want to work with us? Yes or no. It's just it simplifies everything. You know, we have a we have a hashtag here now, hashtag CSPR, which is which is complexity simplified, possibility realized. And mm. 
the fact that we've added more, the fact that we've added AUM and 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 are, are now doing that with AUM and life insurance and annuities and, and estate planning and and all that different things, even though there's more pieces of the puzzle, everything has gotten simpler. <laughs> so it's like we we've added more tools in our arsenal, but it just makes it simpler. I guess it's like yeah. If, if you're fixing a, a, a you know a plumbing pipe and all you have is a saw, it'll work, yeah. but it's a real pain in the you know what. But now if I have a whole tool bag full of absolutely everything I can do, I can fix that pipe in two seconds because I have everything yeah. I need. And so hitcher, I love that little short little statement, that phrase, complexity simplified. And then what was the second part of that? Possibility realized. Possibility realized. Love that. Yeah, you you hit something there at the end, Andrew, that um the word fiduciary has been weaponized in finance. Oh, this is my opinion. But I see this almost fiduciary fee only where those are interchangeable for some people. And it's like, no, that, that's how you get paid versus what you're legally obligated to do, the best interest of your client. And the argument I will always make to your tool analogy, more tools in the toolbox to solve more problems is almost always better in every scenario assuming tools are used properly, right? And that's where I'm like, it's really tough to say I'm fee-only and fiduciary if you eliminate a massive amount of tools that are even possible to be in the toolbox with that statement. And obviously, my opinion, there can be some out there that will argue that opinion, but um, that's the thing that's always... And it's really confusing when you're a consumer, you're a retiree, and you don't know the difference. You got people shouting marketing messages at you. Yeah, it drives, so it drives me insane. It, it blows my mind. It, like literally, I can't even wrap my brain around the fact that somebody calls themselves a fiduciary, but like can't sell any type of life insurance, can't sell any type of annuities, can't do that. Can, can, can like whether it's good or not for the, the individual, whether it fits in their life or not, is irrelevant. It's like how can you literally put their best interests at heart if you don't even have the tools that they need to succeed in the life that they want to succeed? Like how can you even do that? Hey, there's that passion I was looking for. Why you been bottling up this whole time? It literally drives me. Uh, This this is like the number one. This is like one of my hot button issues. If you can't tell, it like literally drives me insane that you can say that and not do X, Y, and Z. And on the flip side of things, I know guys that only sell life insurance, that only sell, that will literally plan circles around people that just call themselves a fiduciary. They will literally do better things in people's lives, create more possibility and freedom in people's lives than the fiduciary can simply be calling themselves a fiduciary. It's like, it comes down to like, uh, uh, you know, a Top Gun 2 or Maverick, right? He's like, fifth generation fighters, blah, blah. It's all about the man in the box, the pilot in the box. Like, like, man, that drives me nuts. I'll say that term is weaponized. Drives me nuts. I'll say this a slightly different way. I think the financial (laughs) services industry has done a great job of teaching the American public how to buy their products, but they've done a very poor job of teaching the American public how to plan to accomplish their goals using their finances. Mm -hmm. Everybody, all the millions of dollars being spent on marketing are meant so that people put their money with the company so the company can make money off of it. And there are very few companies or even individuals out there who are truly focused on saying, you have these goals. You want to go RVing with your spouse. You want to retire early. You want to have your toes in the sand. We're going to help you actually accomplish those goals and use the tools to get that rather than I'm going to sell whatever because this month, this quarter, we get a bonus on that particular thing. Right. And so it goes back to the entire idea of putting other people first. When we have a lead of the life of significance, it's not about us. 
It's about others. If our business is going to be significant, it's not about the business itself. It's about others. It's about, that's where you find that significance, man. And I just, it drives me crazy too, Andrew. I'm not going to get as fired up as you about it, but it drives me nuts too, man. Well, it's kind of fun. Like, I love that on your side, Tyler. It's so true. It's like, at the end of the day, if you really like zoom out, people, depending on their background, maybe work 20, 30, 40 years, and they're saving up this nest egg and a million, two million bucks, maybe more, maybe less. And then they reach this destination, which they don't even know what it is because they've just had some, most times an imaginary number in their head of like, when I have a million, I think that will be the day, right? And then I heard it said, once you go from it, a done for you, you think when you're working, your healthcare is covered, it just comes out of the paycheck. Your 401k is funded, it just comes out of the paycheck. Mm -hmm. Well, you retire, now it's do it yourself. Unless you have help, unless you have a true person right there beside you guiding you along the way where you can actually say, hey, I've got a million bucks. I don't have any clue how this should be allocated to get my toes in the sand, take that family RV trip, spend with confidence. Like, Think about how many broke millionaires, multimillionaires there are because they've got all this money, but they're scared to spend it, which is so sad. So I love that take. Have you seen that a lot? Let's go to like real world scenarios. You've got a client with a million, two million, five million dollars, and they're like sitting there hoarding it, like they can't spend it. Is that a common thing? I see it all the time, and that also drives me nuts. My dad's a perfect example of this, actually. Like my dad, all he wants to do in his life is buy his 1965 Corvette. Like that's it. That's all he wants, mm. and he literally has the money right now in cash in his bank account to do it. But he can't pull the trigger for whatever reason. He's like worried that something else is going to happen. You know, he had a. He, he worked for WorldCom. He lost his entire retirement savings. Mm. He was like 54 years old. So he went from, you know, a million dollars to literally nothing, built himself back up again, retired. And now he's like, he's got this, this trauma and this baggage that he's had a very hard time of spending his money. Now that's his scenario. It's something unique. But like, I see that happen all the time. There's somebody I'm actually thinking about right now. She has $3 million. She lives off of her social security and she works part-time at a library just because it's something for her to do. Her daughter has like this, this debt. It's like $30,000 of student loan debt. And she like, she really wants to pay it off. She wants to give her daughter this life and she wants to pay the student loan debt off her, her daughter. But she's scared. She's like, she's scared to do it. Cause oh, if all of a sudden now I have $2,970,000. Mm-hmm. Is that going to, is that going to affect your life at all? It won't. Well, let's, Let's she's talk like, about that there, because like, get that out. And I, uh, she's actually not a client of mine real quick, not to cut yeah. you up. She's not a client of mine. I help her through a, a nonprofit I work with. I probably help her pro bono all the time. And I was like, literally so talk about that passion. I was like screaming at her on the phone the other day. Like you, like, this is all this awesome stuff you can do. And she finally was like, you're right. I need to stop thinking about what everybody else thinks and just do it. I said, you're right. That goes to the leadership thing we talked about where, Early on, you're selling products. You're on this finite game of, oh, got to hit my quota for the year. To where infinite game is, how can you show up in this life to impact others in a positive way? Be a leader to them, right? And that lady needs to hear that. And that's coming from a place of love and trying to inspire her to like not die with 3 million bucks in the bank. And I just pulled up, by the way, guys, your mission control, which for those unfamiliar, that's one of the things we for all triad members, which is really dialing in your vision where, you, where you're headed for the team. So you're all clear on the destination 
And then the second part is really the brand manifesto. We've done a lot of work with Chris Smith, but what we're known for, it's actually your, your hashtag, right? What we're known for is simplifying complexity so you can realize what's possible. The true outcome of our work. The true outcome of our work is the freedom and courage to make what's possible real. So like even these stories right here, it's almost like part of the mission that you're on as a company is to kind of help people unwind this complexity or baggage that you just talked about, like all the psychological baggage they're bringing in so that they can actually realize what they want, the possibility that they want out of retirement. So Tyler, do you have a take on that? I see you kind of nodding your head or waiting to jump in over there. Yeah, I'm not waiting to jump in. I'm listening and learning from you guys. It's just, there's a lot there that we can unpack. We could do six of these shows and talk about that stuff, but really at its core, what we're talking about is helping people. And so much for industries focused on sales. I'll go back to it again. Every company out there says, hey, if you sell enough, we'll take you to the Bahamas or we'll take you to Mexico or take you to Europe. And they dangle this carrot out there as a sales incentive. And what we're really talking about here is something very different than sales. What we're talking about here is building into people's lives, building a business. Andrew and I, we each have teams in our office. Our teams doubled in our Bloomington office here in the last two years. And that's all about helping people. And so I think when it comes down to like the sales side of the conversations we're having with our clients, it's not about product. You have to move past that. We don't have any magic product, Brad. Like there's nothing that's the Tyler and Andrew magical silver bullet mutual fund. Right. And we have the same stuff everybody else has with maybe a few wrinkles that we have access to. But for the most part, it's the same stuff everybody else has. What we really are trying to do is put those tools in a way that can help people. And so our conversations now, when we're sitting across the desk from clients, they're going from product, hey, check out this cool illustration, look what it's going to do to you or do to your financial life or do to you. (laughs) And we're really just pushing through to meaning. What's meaningful in your life? How can we accomplish what is meaningful? I have a client right now. He wants to build a million and a half dollar house in two years in Tennessee on a golf course right on a lake. It's gorgeous. Right, it's going to be amazing. He has the plans. He brings men with him when we meet. His question is, how can I get it done? We're not talking about products or process or tools. We're literally sitting there and talking about his dream and helping him have the confidence to do it. He's worth six million dollars. He can build the house. He just wants to have the confidence to know he's doing it the right way. And so, in order to give people that confidence, we've sacrificed and worked really hard to get to the point where we can communicate in those terms, where we can show people we can back up what they're trying to accomplish and give them the courage to do it. And ultimately what our practices are really becoming is like little factories of courage where one by Mm. one, we're cranking out courageous people who are going from a life of success in their working careers to a life of significance in their retirement careers. And what we're really trying to do is we're using some widgets, but those widgets are just creating more courage for them to leap into that abundant life of significance more. And I can speak about this passionately, and Andrew can too, because it's something we want for ourselves. When I sit down across from somebody who's 60, 65, one of the great things about working with people who are retired as a younger person is I know I'm almost there. It's right around the corner. I'll be that age just in the blink of an eye. It'll happen like that. And I want the courage to be able to do that just like I want to give it to them. And we didn't get there by ourselves. We became a better version of ourselves, but we had help, right? Andrew and I both became better versions of who we once were, and we committed to that. 
We didn't know exactly what we were committing to when we said yes, but we knew that there was a better version of this out there and we had help. You referenced the different documents and things, the, the launch plan and our brand manifesto and all this stuff. We didn't do that ourselves. It's easy to sit here on a podcast and talk about this stuff and hit people and listen and go, wow, how are Andrew and Tyler so smart to get there? But we had partners. We had people who believed in us that we in turn believed in. And we partnered and worked on it together. And that's the type of thing we want to bring to our clients to know that, hey, we're not asking you to do anything we didn't do ourselves. When a client sits across from us, we're only asking them to, to come along on this journey, the same one we did as well, and the same one we're currently doing. Have the courage to step out and do that. But we can be bold with our clients and just tell them that. I tell the story all the time about when I met Triad. There's two big moments in my life that changed my life permanently. When I married my wife and when I said yes to Triad. Hey, Brad, I see you smiling right there. But I want I, you to know that I, I would concur with that. I would, I, I would dude. Concur. I want you to know those are two giant. Only when I married moments. my wife, not yours. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> you know those are two giant life changing moments. I said yes <laughs> to something that was hard, and I didn't know how hard it would be. My wife and I have been married sixteen years. There's been ups and downs. There's been really hard moments. I've been doing this business for twenty years. There's been up and downs, really hard moments. And before I started doing either of these things, the stuff with tried, the stuff with my wife, marriage, I didn't know how hard it was going to be but it's growing me. And now I have a wife that I can impact, children that I can impact. My kids' friends, they come over to my, my house and I get to have conversations with them, impact them. And my business was the same thing. We're just challenging our clients to say yes to being impacted by what we can do. Yeah, that's awesome. A few things real quick, nine epic saga. I'll keep it short. The, yeah, uh, right. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> uh, Nines and sevens. All right. So yeah, it was funny. We came home from launch the other day, last week or a couple of weeks ago, and we were sitting in our, our living room. And I looked at my wife and I was like, could you imagine what our lives would be like if we never met them? And she just goes, I don't even want to think about it. Like, it's like, it's one of those, like, I don't even like, it scares the hell out of me to, to wonder where I would be at right now if, if Try had never entered our lives in more than multiple ways in my life, which is like, Whew, thank you. Thank you, God. Right. But the thing you said, a couple of things real quick, like Daniel Crosby says it, right? He's a genius. And he wrote the book, The Laws of Wealth. Great book. And he said, "Would you actually guys brought him into the community. And we did the Zoom call a while ago with him. And he said something there. It stuck with me. He's like, why would you want to do this by yourself? Yeah. Like, why would you want, like, why? Like the best financial advisors in the world have their own financial advisor. <laughs> like, you're too close to it emotionally, right? Why would you want to do this yourself? And I think like oftentimes people look at things too hard. They think things through too much, like like a bit of a parable, I guess you will. I was watching Fargo, the show the other night, which also, by the way, great show if you haven't seen that show. Aaron, uh, I just started watching season one. I love the movie, the original. I love, I love like, the, yeah, the movie's great. The show is great. I'm in season two right now. And in season two, the guy tells this story about, he goes this, one day, the guy got the, a factory worker or a factory boss got in his head that the factory worker was stealing. And so every single night on the way out of work, they, the security would stop him in his wheelbarrow and they would check his wheelbarrow. They check him. They check absolutely everything. They couldn't find anything. And he'd go on his way and they kept checking him and checking him and he just keep going on his way. But what the guy was actually stealing was the wheelbarrow itself. And so like. You're looking at, oftentimes you're looking for an answer or you're looking at something so intently or looking for this so deeply that like the real answer is just right in front of your face, hiding in plain sight. And it's the same with our lives. It's the same with the, our finances, right? It's like, 
Oftentimes, people come to these workshops and say, oh, I know about Roth conversions, but what else can you tell me about tax planning and XYZ? It's like, well, have you done the Roth conversion? Well, no. Well, start there. <laughs> then we can get to all these other yeah. things that are, that are possible, right? Yeah. It's like you're seeking an answer, but you just like take what's given to you first. And Tyler and I talked about this with our faith, like the Holy Spirit. We, oh, you know, Lord, give me more. Give me more Holy Spirit. Give me more of these things. And, and the Lord's just like, I've given it to you. Like, do something with it, and then I'll give you more and more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. So, like, man, this is right there in front of you. You can do so much with it. Like, I don't know. Now I'm just at a loss, and my mind's kind of this conversation's kind of blowing my mind. No, no, it's good. There's a quote that keeps popping up in my life. Actually, I was just talking with uh, James out in Scottsdale, and we were—I don't even remember how we got on the topic, but it was basically your point of like using the gifts you're given versus the, the pursuit of more. And there was a quote: "You can be rich two ways. You can get everything you want, or you can want everything you have." And it's so much of that in life is just like the lens you're looking through. Is it abundance or is it scarcity? Mm-hmm. I love that take. So I want to go to, we've talked about a lot of kind of what we pulled out as far as why your business exists, what you do for your clients. The coaches, Ryan and Nick, were just sharing with me the other day. And they're like, man, make sure when you're on this conversation with Tyler and Andrew, ask them about the team rollout. Because one of the things we haven't talked about, you mentioned a little bit, Tyler, like your gratefulness for your team. And obviously it's grown pretty substantially since you've joined Triad. But I I feel like oftentimes in finance, unfortunately, there's this focus on clients, prospects, and the team is forgotten. And you really like poured into them recently, really said, hey, here's the vision. Here's where we're headed. Here's what it's going to take to get there. And really pouring into the team has been a very common characteristic of the firms I've seen scale the quickest with alignment, with a great culture. So how has some of that work impacted the team? Yeah, I think that there's not a single person on our team who comes here and just punches a clock. And one of the things that we do that's very practical is we, on our Monday morning meetings, when we get together, I should probably brand that. It'd be pretty cool to have a brand Monday morning meeting. But on our Monday morning meetings, when we get together, we spend the first 15 or 20 minutes really just on culture, culture and vision. You guys have said it a bunch of times. Culture is kind of the secret sauce. It's the secret ingredient that makes this entire thing go. And so we actually spend 15, 20 minutes, a half an hour before we jump into what's going on this week, what needs to be taken care of, what fires are getting put out. That stuff's always going to be there. Daily aggravation is just part of life. But we step back and start our weeks with this idea of culture and vision. And as a result of implementing some of that brand manifesto stuff, our teams started to use that language, not just with our clients, but with each other. One of the things that we talk about around here is like, I'm, I'm the leader. I have the leadership position in our office, so I have to make leadership decisions. But everybody's responsible for culture. We're all a leader when it comes to culture. We all show up in a meaningful way in each other's lives when it comes to culture. That is a language I did not have two years ago. It was a language I didn't live. I wasn't showing up in my team's life. I mean, shame on me, right? I look back on it now and I go, who who did I think I was? And, you know, now we're starting to show up in each each other's lives in a real way. We took a whole day to sit down, go over our brand manifesto, our vision to roll that out with our team. And as the leader, it was my responsibility, Andrew's responsibility, our wife's responsibility to put the framework around that, to say, we're crafting a vision. This is where we want to go, right? But then 
everybody in our team has blown me away with how much they're able to buy into that when we're able to use learn and then use language to communicate that to them in a way that helps them understand how that it'll make their life better. You know, there's a few ways you can make people's lives better. And sometimes it's by leaving their life. And we don't ever want anybody in our office to feel like my life's better now that I've left here. And so like one really practical thing, Brad, that we've done, we started a 401k for our team. And that was something that we didn't never have. And we never intended to have. But one of the cool things that we decided we want to do is like we looked at the 401k and we said, what would we want? Like if we were employed somewhere and we wanted to have a 401k, what kind of match would we want? And so we gave our team a 10% match, which nobody, we don't have a single employer within. I don't even know of anybody who gets that. And so like now when when I'm talking to my team and I'm talking about building into them, it's easy to feel hypocritical when you talk about that. Because as a leader, you, you feel like you can never do enough. You just feel like, and it's easy to go look at yourself and go, man, here's where I've fallen short. And so, but now as a leader, we can say, we put our money where our mouth is. We've shown people that we care by giving them a, the type of 401k match that they'll never see anywhere else. And we're, we're building into other areas to do that too. But now when we open up our mouth and talk to people, talk to our team about this stuff, it's not only aspirational, we hope to become something. We're actually on the process of becoming it. And we're pushing through and growing in that area hugely. And, and our team's starting to echo those things back. They're starting to echo back this language of significance, the framework we've built into our Virtus brand. And, and so that, that rollout was a really powerful moment for our team. It put it all out there. And then when we start to back it up with real tangible things that make their life better, like better benefits than they're any employer in town. And by the way, this is a life hack for small offices. We can afford to give everybody a 10% match. The employer here in our town, State Farm, who has 15,000 people employed in our town, they can't afford to give a 10% match. We can do things for, from a competitive stance when we're competing for talent and recruiting people in. We can afford to do things that other companies can't afford to do, and it gives us a competitive edge. And so there's a lot of benefits to that along the way. But Well, just the one thing that comes to mind, and I'm just going to share another Chris Smithism, Language creates. And I heard two things there on your side, Tyler. The first one is you did this work. I mean, that was not easy work to distill a lot of that language out of you. I want to point out that I think sometimes in business, people just think, oh, well, if I just show up, like this stuff's gifted to me. It's like some magic bullet. Like I remember somebody saying hard work or uh, success is hard work, you know, with maybe an ex a nice little adjective in there. And you guys worked at it, but now you're working to actually make it come to reality. And that's reps. Like when you're tired of saying something, you're like 50% of the way done before your team latches onto that language. On the other side, I love that you took the vision of like, we're going to be one of the best places to work in town. And the only way we're going to do that is if we have some of the best benefits in town so we can attract the talent we need to get there. And so I love that you are actually declaring that, like that's a vision for your team and the culture you want to create. And you're, you're kind of putting the vision out there. This is where we're headed, but you're backing it up with actually executing on it. So I love that. Andrew, you were, you were going to hop in and say something. No, I was just going to say like the nice thing about create, like that language creates is absolutely right. Like that is Chris Smith says it. And I, I completely wholeheartedly agree. And said it's the, it's probably the single, it's the number one tool we have in our arsenal and to, <laughs> Great impact in people's lives is the language that we use. 
Yeah, so like with this whole vision thing and like rolling out the team, now we're all on the same page. And like we said, when Tyler said, no, we're actually living this vision, all I could think about was at that we went to like this golf pizza buffet thing. All I could think of after we rolled out the vision is if we went out back and smoked a pack of Marlboro Reds <laughs> afterwards. But uh, <laughs> what Victor said in, in a podcast that you had with him, it's like, if your whole team, like you want to go to Albuquerque and somebody on the team's like, no, let's go to Austin. Well, you're off the bus, <laughs> you know? Yeah get off the bus, we can get there faster. And so I always think about like, we all got to be rowing in the same direction. Like we're all rowing a boat. Like we're all in the lifeboat together and we're all trying to get to shore and we're all, we're all rowing. We have to row in the same direction. If someone's rowing the opposite direction, it's going to make everything a heck of a lot harder. And so when we make decisions now as an organization or even as our life decisions, it's like we have a true North and it's really, really simple to make decisions now. Cause you say, you just point it to the wall, right? Like does this decision does that embody that? Yes or no? If the answer is no, it's an easy toss away, right? Mm-hmm. Do business, do life. Is this decision what we're going to make? Does that embody that? No. Okay. Easy decision. Gone off the table, right? Yeah. So you're going to the point right at it. You're so right. It's a phrase that we can all look at as a team and go, oh, hey, this doesn't live up to our standard. We're not doing this. And that vision to be able to see through all the crap that's out there, marketing ideas or a client that could maybe solve a lot of problems because they're a big client but they're not the right client. Yeah. And a, a team member, we recently had a team member who's a great Gail who came through and it just wasn't a good match. And so mm-hmm. we kind of jointly decided that she was going to move on together. But rather than allowing this culture of like kind of backbiting in our office or talking about her, or us saying anything about her afterwards, the conversation was really simple. There's trust, right? We said, hey, the best thing for this gal is she's going to be moving on and pursuing a different opportunity. We're so happy with the time she was here. We hope she learned something and can grow in the next opportunity for her. And that's establishing trust with our team as well. But all of that is coming from a place of like just creating this culture of trust for our team. And man, that bleeds over with clients. When our clients walk in, they see the way we interact with each other. They hear people talking to each other. They see the way our team is moving. They hear the language from our team and from us. And man, that bleeds over. People just get a sense of it. And just like when we sat around that fire in Napa, Brad, and I remember saying to my wife that night, when we went back to her, I remember saying, how in the world, oh, they've done such a good job of making me want to say yes. How can we possibly say no? There was a magnetic pull. And, and I think that magnetic pull was more than just putting up some stagecraft, creating something fake. There, What it really was, was when people who are like-minded sit across from each other, their souls talk to each other, their minds interact, we can see each other's face, we can see that there's something meaningful there. And that resonated around that fire in Napa. It resonated when I was standing in that pool with Big Keith just hanging out for three straight nights. So you were obviously enjoying yourself. Well, it's Napa, Brad. <laughs> yeah, hey, I was too. I was too. I'm not taking any, no judgment. I still got me. those shoes on. I got them on right now. Yeah. It actually says EBD well, on the tag instead of our office name. One of the things I'll just finish with this thought is that one of the things we think about out in our office is how do we create that magnetic pull for clients when they walk through the door that they go, there's something special happening here and I don't want to not be part of it. I don't want to miss as much as they maybe want to be part of it. There's equally a part of them that's saying, I don't want to not be part of this because this is special. It's something I'm not going to get anywhere else. The word that comes to mind, which you both just kind of riffed on there around vision and then how that bleeds into team. It's like this filtering system. Mike, I'll probably butcher this, but the more success you have or significance in this case, the more distractions show up 
masquerading as opportunities, mm-hmm. right? And this filtering system, and it's been so true for us, do business, do life. Even the speakers you bring on the stage, does that align with the mission we're on? Because there's some really famous people out there that would make some great Facebook shots and probably, you know, say something inspirational, but do they actually align with what we're about as a community? And it's helped us stay true to it. But the point, Tyler, on exiting team members, that is one of the most difficult things to do. And we have this thing, we, we call them bad words at Triad. Firing's a bad word. Like to me, firing is such like, a, I'm the king in the castle and you're out of here. Right. To us, it's like, the way we look at it, it's like there's transitions, there's seasons in life. Mm-hmm. And some team members are going to come on for a season. It might be a shorter season. It might be a year. Because guess what? Their lives change too. Just because they work at your company doesn't mean their lives not changing and evolving. And you'll have some shorter seasons, some longer seasons. And to your all's point, like as long as you stay true to here's the mission we're on, here's where we're headed, it's actually more fair to them to let them know of like, hey, am I on board for that? Or am I not really about that and I should be doing something else? And it's just like, I see people that aren't true on that. They wonder why they have a toxic culture. It's like, because half your team's not even here for the reason you want them to be here. And you haven't told them that. So that's on you. Yeah, like you hired them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So not to riff too deep on that, but it's it's something I'm pretty passionate about. You know what was interesting too about that, Brad, is I was like the last, as the leader, I was like one of the last guys to know that that person wasn't a good fit. <laughs> like the rest mm. of our team knew it before I did. Yeah. They, and so I owed it to our team, the remainder of our team to show integrity in protecting the culture, yep. putting the business first above maybe my fear of having a hard conversation above maybe my worry about we we need this person to do something. The rest of the team was looking at me and waiting for me to realize that this was a scenario. And it became very clear that if I was going to maintain integrity in front of the rest of our team, the way we treated that situation was being watched. Yes. Was I going to be mad? Was I going to be a power? Was I going to make a power play? Or was I going to treat somebody with dignity while still honoring the amazing culture that we have and protecting it? Yeah. As a leader, you're a gatekeeper. It's my responsibility to put this business above nearly everything else because of what it does for all the people who are here. Business doesn't protect itself. It's protected by me. And when I protect it well, everybody else in our team protects it. And they don't bring in people who aren't a good culture match. They're aware of clients and they go, hey, maybe this person's not a great match for us, Tyler. They all begin to protect it the same way that I would. They're starting yes. to have a ownership mentality rather than an employee mentality. So true. And you said something that I think oftentimes people get wrong. And Hyatt, who was a few episodes back, who was early on at Amazon and sat like a desk over from Jeff Bezos, she said like, mm-hmm. she goes, leadership structure. And obviously there's the CEO. And she said, Jeff Bezos inverted the pyramid. So instead of the leader at the top, the leader was at the bottom supporting the team. And that's just kind of what you said. Like, hey, it's my job to support the team and honor what we're about. And if that takes me having a tough conversation, which by the way, it doesn't matter how many times you've had them, they still suck. They're not fun, but it's for the team, not for yourself or your own pride or ego. And the best leaders are the ones that show up that way from my experience. So I love that take. Well, boys, time has flown. Bummer. And I know, I knew it would. I knew it would. (laughs) I've got one final question here, but before I get to it, any kind of last thoughts on anything we've covered today? 
before we go into the to the last question of the conversation today, at least. So it's a dangerous question to ask a nine. He has 47 last thoughts and a story for each one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a pretty dangerous question. And I'm a seven, so I just don't want the fun to stop. Yeah. Hey, me too. I feel that. (laughs) All right. I'm kind of there with you. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's go to the final question. I'll, I'll let each of you share your own version. So obviously, this is the Do Business, Do Life podcast. That's also our mission here at Triad. And so I would love each of your definitions of, of what does do business, do life mean to you? So I'll go. This has changed for me as well. Early on and still to this day, every time I hear this question on your podcast, I, uh, the first thing that always pops in my head is just do business with people you want to do life with, period. Like mm-hmm. in its most simple form, like to say, like we talked about, oh, you don't want like just because a client has four or five million dollars and could do really great things for our business doesn't mean we want to do business with that person. Because our values don't match up, our goals don't match up, we're just not a good fit. Doing business with Triad is a no-brainer because, like, when we get to go to the the family reunion or the what the founders retreat experience, those are like they've been my friends. Like, you look at like look at John Merkel and and Dylan Bond; they didn't even know each other, and that's like the greatest friendship I've ever seen. That friendship can literally move mountains. And their uh, bromance rivals your guys's. It's it's it, one it, and it two. Is. I mean, it's insane. Uh, I mean, it, it, they win. Their bromance is out <laughs> of control. And it's like, I don't want to be that close, frankly. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> that was and like every time I see them at these these experiences, my face lights up, and it's like. You guys created that, right? You're you're doing business with people you want to do life with. And I think that's really, really important. And then as it's transformed, as 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 and I've talked about it all day during this podcast, not to get too crazy with it, like doing business that literally impacts the life and the life of the people around you. The work that we do, yeah, sure, we can go sell products and yeah, it might make a positive impact on the on somebody's life potentially, or protect them potentially, but like, is that really truly impacting their life? And so when we're doing business to create impact on people's lives, where it's like, hey, the dividends they're receiving on their money pale in comparison to the returns that they're receiving on their life because of that. Mm. Right. And like I think that the business that we do with Triad, for example, pales in comparison to what you guys have meant for my life. So like I know that when when somebody texts me and says, How are you doing? Or Brad, you asked how if there's anything we can do for you with with our our situation, like we had, like, for those that don't know, we're having twins, and it's a, it's a whole big deal, and 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 there's a lot that's going to be going on in our lives in the next couple months. And you said at, at the beginning of this, like, hey, if there's anything that we can do, I don't know what we can do, but if there's anything we can do, let us know. Like, I know that you mean that. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, know that you mean. Like, so many people say, oh, if there's anything I can do, you know, okay, great. Nobody really truly means that. Going back to like be a man of your word, right? You really, truly mean that. So, and I know that, and that's enough. And it's, that's literally impacting my life. So the business that we've created is literally impacting the lives that we have. And it's like, you want to be enjoyed and supported and, and you, your friends who enjoy and support the work that you do. And it, and it just spreads out everywhere. So that's what's kind of become for me. Do business with people you want to do life with and through your business impact the life and everybody's lives around you so that they can impact other lives. And, and really at the end of the day, when our lives are over, those who joined us on this path will keep going without us and inspire others to join them too. And, and that's what it's all about. Love that. Yeah. Tyler, me, what's your take? Yeah. For me, Brad, I think a BBDL is uh, both a challenge and an invitation. It's a challenge to growth. 
and it's an invitation to a more meaningful life. Well put, my man. Hey, that's the shortest answer anybody's had on this whole conversation the whole time. Well thought out. I appreciate that. Why Andrew went on long enough. Andrew went on long enough that I could formulate a thought. <laughs> that's why I was doing that. That's why I was doing it. I knew you Thanks, needed. Man. That's why you guys make such a great team. Yep. As one of our coaches tells Sean and I, our differences are our strengths. So, well, guys, happy Friday and really loved every minute of this conversation. So thanks for hopping on and and sharing your journey. And I promise there's a lot of advisors out there listening in. It's going to make a dent on where they're headed. So both in business and life. So appreciate it, guys. Yeah. All right. Until next time. All right. Thanks for listening in to this week's episode. On to this week's featured review. It comes to us from iTunes user H-U-B-B-A-Z 20. Five stars. They say a great synthesizer of information for advisors. As with the Elite Advisor Blueprint, Brad does a great job of pulling information from masters in many different fields and relating it to our work as advisors. Love listening to his conversations with those outside the industry and how he adapts their wisdom to advisors. Well, thank you so much for the review. Thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And I'll tell you, one of the most fun things about the podcast is, for those that know me, I have a very eclectic taste in books, music, what I read. And that's the beauty of the podcast. Sometimes in finance, I do see a trend in just finance people listening to other finance people. And one of the things that I've truly enjoyed about this show is I get the chance to connect with all kinds of authors, athletes, people from all different walks of life and distill those ideas and concepts that can apply to business as a financial advisor, as an entrepreneur. And it's a lot of fun. And I really enjoy being able to talk with all different types of people and learn from all of them. So we will keep the eclectic mix coming. I promise that. And thanks again for taking the time to leave the honest review. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Do Business, Do Life podcast. As we wrap, for access to show notes, transcripts, and exclusive content from all of our show's guests, don't forget to visit bradleyjohnson.com forward slash podcast. And before you go, I've got a quick favor to ask. If you're liking the podcast, you can help support the show by leaving your rating and review on iTunes. Not only do we read every single comment, but this will help the show rank and get discovered by new listeners and other financial advisors out there that can benefit from the show. Trust me, it really does help. So thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode. These conversations are intended to provide financial advisors with ideas, strategies, concepts, and tools that could be incorporated into their advisory practice. Advisors are ultimately responsible for ensuring implementation of anything discussed is in accordance with any and all regulatory and compliance responsibilities and obligations. 